Morning. <laughs> Thought it was going to be a different video. <clears throat> um, so we've been in the middle of our Advent series, uh, which if you remember, uh, it's all about looking forward to uh, the coming of Jesus. It's a celebration of what Jesus did, but also in looking forward to see, hey, this life, it's not just this life. There is a life beyond this because Jesus is returning. And so the first week we talked about hope. The second week, uh, Pastor Turner talked about peace. And today we are going to talk about joy. Um, if you haven't been here for either of them, um, we start with a corporate reading, a prayer. Uh, you can stay seated, but uh, we'll have some scripture on the screen that you can read. So let's get Isaiah 35. 1 through 4, and then verse 10. So let's go ahead and say this together. Uh, Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. And then let's go ahead and get Matthew 2, 9 through 12. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. You know, I love that story of the the wise men. Uh, You know, they're in this pursuit of Jesus. Um, You know, one of the things that's interesting is a lot of times we think it's three wise men because there are three gifts, but we have no clue how many wise men there really were. And a lot of times we picture the wise men being at the nativity, uh, but really, most likely, Jesus was about two years old when the wise men showed up with these gifts. But uh, what's so interesting is the fact that there was this star that they followed and followed and followed, and they were searching for where this star was pointing, and finally, they found him. They found Jesus, and it says that they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. You know, this reminds me of every single person in life. Every person is in a pursuit of joy. Every person in life wants to experience joy, wants to know joy for themselves. And we all have different ways that we, that we uh, try to find joy, different sources that we go to to experience joy to find the source of life. Every person wants to feel alive, and so we are all in a pursuit of that. 
Um, you know, I was able to experience some joy recently. My wife told me that we were pregnant, and I was so excited. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and then also we found out that it's a boy, so uh, yeah, man. <laughs> so um, both of those moments, it was just this, this glimpse of just joy, excitement of, of feeling alive. Uh, you know, it had been a long journey uh, a few years ago. Uh, we, we'd gotten pregnant, and um, around 12 weeks, we went in for uh, the doctor's appointment, and, uh, you know, they go to find the heartbeat of the, of the baby, so they had this Doppler, and, and um, they had it on her, on her stomach, and, and it felt like forever where they were just scanning, 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 trying to find a heartbeat, and it felt like forever, and they, they couldn't find one, and then, so we did the sonogram, and, um, and the uh, sonographer told us, yeah, you're, uh, I'm so sorry, but your, your baby is uh, no longer alive. But I, I will never forget that feeling of sitting there and waiting to find a heartbeat and just praying, like, please, let there be something. And it just felt like just forever. And, and I feel like the majority of people in this world feel like that in their own lives. They want some sort of source of joy. They want to feel some sort of um, feeling of being alive and they're searching and searching and searching. Yet there's just silence. They don't feel the joy that they're looking for. They, they have something inside of them that's saying, hey, there is more. Yet they don't know what it is. They're searching and searching and searching. Um, C.S. Lewis said this, he said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. You see, most people, and myself included, what we do is we search for things in this world to give us the joy and the life that we are looking for. When we're searching and searching and searching, we look for things that are temporary, things that will just make us happy, thinking this will be it. This will be what brings me life, what brings me joy. But what C.S. Lewis is saying is, hey, there is something of another world. That, that thing that's inside of you, that's stirring, that's making you say, hey, this can't be it. It's the fact that, hey, there is another world that you can be living for, that you can be hoping for, that you can find your joy in. Um, there was a, uh, a bird called the ivory-billed woodpecker. Go ahead and um, get the uh, picture there. So that's the ivory-billed woodpecker. Um, it was also called the Lord God bird because they said like when people saw this bird, they were just astonished. And so they would be like, Lord God, or good. They called it the good God bird also. Good God. I've never, whenever I see a bird, I'm like, oh, that's nice. I don't, I don't, good God. <laughs> uh, but some people do. Um, and so in 1938, there were 20 of these known birds. And, they, and the majority of them were in the swamp area down in Arkansas. And um, Singer, the... Uh, um, sewing machine company had bought this swampland. And so they ended up mowing down all the trees because they wanted to use the wood for, um, like, you know, used to have wooden boxes that the sewing machines would go in or cabinets. So they mowed down all these trees and it made it to where um, no, the, the ivory-billed woodpecker, nobody had seen one for, in forever. 
And then in 1999, there was a 21-year-old forestry student who claimed to have seen this bird uh, down in Arkansas. And he claimed, hey, I saw the ivory-billed woodpecker. And it started this huge controversy because people were like, did he really see it? Did he see this other bird that, that looks like the ivory-billed woodpecker? And it started this whole search for this bird. They did a 30-day search. And um, you know, while they were searching, they thought they may have heard the knock of that woodpecker, but they weren't able to find it. Um, to this day, tourism is up 30% in Brinkley, Arkansas, where that is, because people are searching for this bird. They, they want to find this bird. And, um, you know, in the search for this, uh, what, what's interesting is there's another bird called the pil- pileated woodpecker. Go ahead and show that. And as you can see, it looks a lot, a lot, like it looks very close to it. And so in the, um, on the Louisiana Wildlife and, and Fisheries website, they actually said, hey, because of the interest generated by, they said, the recent unconfirmed ivory-billed woodpecker sighting, um, they're saying, hey, we're going to go ahead and put on this site all of the differences because so many people are calling in saying, hey, I found it. And they'd go and they'd be like, no, that's the pileated woodpecker. Um, and so when it comes to our search for joy, I want us to be careful of two things. One is don't uh, fall for imposters. Beware of falling for imposters. And the other is beware of worshiping implications. Beware of falling for imposters and worshiping, worshiping implications. So like the pileated woodpecker would be the imposter, the one that, that looks like the ivory-billed woodpecker, but it's much more common. It's not the same. Um, you know, there are imposters in life that are empty promises of joy. Things that promise you, hey, if you go down this path, if you search for this, you will find joy. And it's an empty promise. These things include money, status, the perfect social media post, the massive house, the bottle, the high, the new relationship, the affair, the promotion. Even church sometimes, religion can become one of these things where you think if I do enough good things, then I will be joyful. There are all sorts of things that we run to that are imposters, things that promise you joy, but when you really look, you see, hey, this isn't the real thing. Um, you know, that's what's interesting is that I believe that every, well, the Bible says every person is made in the image of God. And because of that, there is something inside of them where they are constantly searching for more, searching for something that will bring them alive. G.K. Chesterton said this, he said, every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. Think about that. So every time when people are, are searching, they're, they're, they're really, there is a search for God in their heart and they don't even know it. You might be like that right now. You've been chasing things. You've been trying to, to, to find things, thinking, man, if I can just get this relationship, I, if I can just get married, if I can just have the perfect kids, if I can, and you keep chasing, chasing, chasing the American dream, or whatever it is, thinking if I can just get this next thing, then I will be joyful. But it's an empty promise. It's an imposter. Galatians 1, 6-7 says, you are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. But it is not the good news at all. So beware of falling for imposters. But the second is, beware of worshiping implications. What an implication is, is a conclusion that can be drawn. 
So like with the woodpecker, when they thought they heard that knocking, it was an implication of a conclusion of, hey, this woodpecker is probably somewhere around here. You know, there, there were marks in trees where they look and they, you know, if it, if it had certain holes, they would see, oh, this is the woodpecker. It, it, we're getting close. But sometimes what happens is we worship the implications. You know, if, if, if someone heard that knock of the woodpecker, and then all of a sudden they're like, that's it, guys, boys, we can pack it up. We found it. You know, we heard the woodpecker. No, they'd be like, no, that's just pointing to the fact that it's close and we need to get even, even more advanced in our search because we know we're close. There are things in life that point to Jesus. Things that are very good. But what happens is sometimes we worship the things that point to Jesus. You know, the wise men, they didn't worship the star. They simply followed it because they knew, hey, this star is pointing us to something more, something great. Uh, my wife and I, we were in Costco the other day. Uh, we frequent that place very often. And, um, you know, the best part is the samples. You know, they're free. Uh, and they can, you can get a full meal if you're smart. Uh, but the, um, the other day, uh, we were walking by and there was this cheese sample, which, you know, there are a dime a dozen in Costco. There's so many cheeses and so many cheese samples. And th there's something about this one, though. Oh, my gosh. Like, I went and I tried it, and I just like, looked at Amber. I'm like, this is amazing. And she was like, it is really good. So we kept walking, and I just couldn't stop talking about this cheese. And then I went home, and I was like thinking about this cheese. Like, I couldn't stop. And um, I was just thinking, like, man, that cheese was so good. And it was just like the smallest little piece, you know? And um, so I went the other day. And guess what I did? I bought the cheese. Because I was thinking, man, I need this in my life. This needs to come home to, with me. Um, and so it made me think, though, like that sample of the cheese, like I, I didn't go back and just sit, sit there and think, man, I can't wait for this, this table, the, the sample table to come back up and I get another little, little taste of the cheese. I thought, no, I need to get the whole block. And then I'm going to go back, I'm going to get probably five more blocks, you know, next time. Uh, but I thought, I need, I, I need the real thing. But the sample, you know, when they give you the sample, what do they do? They say, hey, down this aisle, it's $7.99. Make sure you get the deal today. What they're doing is they're, they're giving you a little taste of it and pointing you to, hey, this is where you can get the full deal. And, and I feel like God places in life these little tastes, these little implications that there's something more. You know, at the birth of a child, how can you deny a creator when, when a kid is born and your heart is just filled with this, this feeling of just joy? But as, as great as that is, it's just pointing to a taste, just a sample. It, it, it is pointing to something that is so much greater, which is Jesus. You know, marriage and, and, and hard work and, and friendships and education and and a church community, and, and all these different things that are good in life, but all it is is just a sample of, hey, there is a joy that is so much greater. Don't, don't settle for the sample. But a lot of times what we do is we worship the implications. There's things that God puts in our life. There is love. There is, there is, there is like um, these, these people that you, when you're around them, it's just this feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm... I, I, it's exhilarating when you're around your, your kids and your family and, and there's just this love. But, 
what we can do sometimes is we can worship our family because we think, oh, this is where the source of my joy is. And what God is saying today is, hey, yes, family is amazing. Community is amazing. But all it is is it's a sample. It is pointing to the true Savior. Don't worship the implications. Don't worship your kids. Don't worship your spouse. Don't worship your job. Don't worship your friends. Because you put on them a weight that they could never carry. They're just meant to point to something more, which is Jesus. Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. I want to ask you, is the source of your joy, of your life, of your everything, the presence of God? Because that is the only, the only way that you will find true joy. Some of you may be running around doing all these things, even around Christmas time, the celebration of Jesus, and you're just so busy. And God is saying, listen, I just want to be with you. I just want to be around you. I just, I just, I just desire to be in your presence. That's what God is saying to you. And that is where true joy is found, in the presence of God. Not in just an environment where you hear about them or learn it, but like you personally sitting down in the presence of the Savior. That's where true joy is found. You know, joy is a side effect of being with Jesus. If you look for Jesus, you will find joy. 1 Peter 1, verse 8, it says, You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy. So I want so badly for us as a, as a family of believers to not settle for anything less than true joy in our lives, this glorious, inexpressible joy that it's talking about. As we close, I think the, uh, one of the main things that I'm just, God's teaching me lately is that there's a big difference between happiness and joy. Big difference between happiness and joy. We have to know the difference if we're not going to settle for happiness. Um, so a few things when it comes to happiness and joy, the differences. The first is that happiness has a shelf life, but joy is eternal. Happiness has a shelf life, but joy is eternal. You know, people say that money can't buy you happiness. And that, I don't believe that. That's, that's false. Money can buy you happiness. Disney is the happiest place on earth. And how do you get there? Money. Therefore, um, but money can buy happiness. Absolutely. There are things in life that will make you happy. There are, there are things you can buy. If you buy a huge house, you buy a nice car, you, you buy an experience, you buy different things, you totally can buy happiness. But the thing that money can't buy you is joy. Money can't buy you joy because it's something that's eternal. It's something that's not of this world. Psalm 4, 7 says, You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. Saying, hey, there's people that can afford all these amazing things, but you have given me greater joy than that. Don't, don't rely on what you can buy to bring you joy, because it will never bring you joy. It will bring you happiness, but it has a shelf life, because happiness is an emotion. So you may be happy for a little bit, but it's going to run out. And you're going to be sitting there thinking, Man, what is it? You're going to be sitting there searching and searching and searching for life. But joy is eternal. 
The second thing is happiness is circumstantial. Joy is a decision. You know, happiness is controlled by our circumstances. When good things happen to us, we are happy. But when bad things happen to us, we are sad. We're, we're disappointed. We're, you know, and it's circumstantial. And so what happens is if you're living for happiness, you're constantly trying to control your circumstances. Constantly living in fear because you know if my circumstances change, what's going to happen is, is my happiness is gone. And so you're constantly trying to control everything. You've got such a tight grip on life thinking, oh my gosh, nothing bad can happen to me. Nothing bad can happen to my family because what's going to happen is then our happiness is gone and then, and then what are we going to do? But, what, but the cool thing is that joy is a decision to say, hey, even in the times that are hard, I'm going to have joy. I'm going to focus on the eternal. James 1.2 says, dear brothers and sisters, when, not if, but when, troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Do you know that you can be unhappy and joyful at the same time? You cannot control your circumstances. There are things that happen to you in life that are terrible. There are times where you are walking through hell, yet you can still be joyful because you know, listen, I, I am living for somebody. I'm living for, for the one that is eternal. He's given me eternal life. I can focus on that. And I don't have to be happy all the time. I can, I can admit when life is just really terrible. I can admit when things are hard, but I can have a joy about myself that shows that I'm not living for this life. And then the third thing is that happiness distracts you from mortality, but joy gives you a purpose in life. You know, we are all going to die one day. And it, it, it's a fact that haunts everybody. You know, we live in one of the richest counties in the nation, and, and we are just as susceptible to dying. But we're just more distracted, I feel like. Just try to buy these things, try to fill our time with all these things that keep us from the fact that there is one day where we are going to die. You know, the woman at the well, I love the story where, where Jesus sits down and he talks to this woman and, and um, she'd had five husbands and she was living with a man. Um, so five ex-husbands, she's living with a man. And, um, you know, her thing is she was chasing the relationship, thinking maybe the next guy will be the one that brings me joy. And Jesus is sitting down, it says in John 4, 13 through 14, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus is saying, it's like, hey, there are things in life where you're just going to be thirsty again. But he tells her, hey, I can give eternal life. You will never be thirsty again, saying, I am the source of true joy. Stop trying to chase happiness with the new relationship. I'm the source of true joy. And I want to ask you, what have you been chasing? What's been the source of happiness that you've been relying on to bring you the joy that only the presence of Jesus can bring you? Um, you know, this last year, probably a couple months ago, I, I realized that I've been living my life. Like my purpose in life was, was um, 
I felt like it was to make people happy. Which when, when you hear that, it's like, oh, that's a good thing. But I was realizing, no, it wasn't. It was very selfish. It was very, um, I just didn't want confrontation. So I was just constantly trying to make people happy, trying to spin plates of all these different relationships of, oh, I just want everybody to be happy. And, and anytime I talked to somebody, I just thought, what response would make them happy? And I felt like God told me, man, I don't want you to make people happy. I want you to point people to the source of joy. I want to ask for your life, what your purpose in life has been. And I want to ask you, are you a politician or are you a well digger? And when I say this, I want you to picture somebody who, they're a politician, all right? And, um, and there's this land, there's this, this group of people, this, this town or county, whatever you want to imagine, but they are, um, they're in a drought, they have no water, and they're all going to die of dehydration. All right. And so the politician, what he thinks is, well, I'm running for office. So one of the things that would be really good is I is I can get a whole bunch of I'm going to get a whole bunch of water bottles and on the water bottle, it's going to have my face and it's going to say vote for Brody. And um, what's going to happen is I'm going to go around to the town. and I'm going to hand these water bottles to people and say, hey, vote for me. I care about you. I don't want you to be thirsty. Here you go. Here's water. Here's water. And, they, and everybody in the town gets a, a gets a bottle of water. So what will happen is they'll drink it for a moment and they will be happy. They will be, they'll feel like they're not thirsty, but then once the, you know, give it time, they're going to be in the same spot that they were before. You know, and this politician is all about getting his name out there, making sure people know that he passed out the water bottles. So there's, there's the politician. That's the person that's just caring about people's happiness. I'm just going to make everybody happy. And then there's the, the well digger. What the well digger sees is, hey, there's a group full of people don't have any water. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to find the source of life. I'm going to find where we can find this water. And I'm going to roll my sleeves up. It's going to get messy. People not, might not understand what I'm doing, but I'm just going to dig and dig and dig and dig. I'm going to find the source of life. I'm going to find water. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. People might not even know what I'm doing. But once, once I get it and, I, and I'm able to show people, hey, this is the source of life, it will never run out. I believe that's the difference between happiness and joy. You know, when I say a politician, I, I don't see anything wrong with politicians, but it's just this thought of, I'm just going to, in my life, it was, I'm going to make people happy it's not for them, it's for me. It's so that they think that I'm a good person. The well digger over here doesn't care about credit. They are willing to just get messy because they realize the lives of these people depend on finding the source of life. So I want you to think about your life. What have you been committed to? Have you been committed to making people happy? Or to giving them true joy, pointing people to the source of life himself, Jesus. I want to ask you also if, you know, what have you been looking to in your own life to bring you joy? Has it been the presence of Jesus? Has it been anything else? What's great about this season is that, man, we can shift our lives, point our lives towards the one who can truly bring us joy. And in pursuit 
of life, you can find the one who cannot just give you uh, happiness, but eternal life, eternal joy. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for that you are the source of true life. You are the source of joy. Lord, I pray for us in our lives, in our, our purpose, Lord, that we would realize that it's not just to try to make people happy, to give people temporary relief from their pain, but Lord, to give them the source of true life, of true joy. If there's anybody in here that you say, man, I've been chasing other things to find life. I want you to know that right here in this moment that Jesus died for you. He gave his life for you and rose again. So you don't have to chase other things. So you can have a relationship with him and experience the eternal joy that the Bible talks about. If that's you, just in your own words, I want you just to talk to God right now and just say, man, I'm going to stop chasing happiness. I'm going to stop chasing these things that are imposters. I'm going to, I'm going to stop worshiping the implications, God, and I'm going to follow you. Jesus, I pray that the people that are making this decision, Lord, that they would know that it's not going to be easy, but it is so worth it, that you love them, that you've called them to more. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful that you came down and gave your life so we can have real joy. In your name I pray, amen.